Welcome to those that have found us. Our podcast, a 30,000 foot view, just one of a stream of new podcasts coming out uh, from the team here at the Goat Agency. Uh, here we'll be discussing both marketing and business in a world that seems to be slowly getting used to where it currently finds itself. And speaking to those leading the discussions from the world of marketing and advertising, uh, I'm Sam Fowler, a senior account manager here at the Goat Agency, and very much uh, class clown in the office, I would describe it. And uh, leading the insight and very much the knowledge of the show is Mr. Aaron Shepherd, one of the three founders here at the Goat Agency. Hello, Aaron. Hello. To be hello. This is a this is a fantastic pairing. Whoever put this together, yeah, it's um, somebody who I've actually been connected with for a while on on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I just you see other people that obviously get it, and um, this is one of those one of those people that I've I've been watching from a distance and just you know thinking, oh, I agree with that, I agree with that, and I agree with that, um, and so it seemed like a good place to start. Um, I could go on for ages about, I mean, when you look at his LinkedIn and what he's been up to, official ambassador for the Big Blue Ocean cleanup, guest lecturer at University of Southampton. But of course, he is just an all round digital strategy expert and founder of MWW Consulting. Uh, Joining us is Mr. Matt Webster. Matt, how are you? Hello. Pleased to be on the show. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hi, Sam. Hi, Aaron. How's it going? So, Matt, we figured out when we were doing the... um, the the sort of discussion at the start of this understanding when to finish um and you said 12 o'clock and it's quarter past three where i am so unless this is going to be a 21 hour podcast um i get the impression you are somewhere else where whereabouts are you yeah well as much as i would like to get involved in time travel um yeah it's mainly to do with the fact that i'm in a different place so well figured out yeah i'm in rio uh, in rio de janeiro uh in brazil um so yeah i've been I, I used to live where you guys are in London, but I moved out here at the end of 2018. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Fantastic. And what what what, what led you to Rio de Janeiro? Um, lots of things, but the main factor is that I met my wife in London. She is a carioca, which is somebody who is native to Rio de Janeiro. Um, and we spent, um, she spent 15 years in London uh, I spent 10 years in London. I'm a northerner originally from Sheffield. And we just wanted to try something something else out. And it was actually me that was the driver of wanting to come and try, try out life in Rio. Every time I've been here on holiday to see her family, I've always looked around and gone, how can I live here? What can I carve out? How can I fit in here as a gringo in this beautiful city? Um, what's my place? So eventually... I've managed to to find that carve out that that place. Fantastic. Yeah. And how 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 if you don't mind me asking how is how are, how are things going over there in terms of everything towards covid I guess. Well, um no I don't mind you asking at all. I mean, it's we need to share experiences, stories um, of what's going on all around the world. And actually I've had a lot of my mates from the UK saying we haven't heard anything that's going on in South America. What's going on? Um so what we have here is a it's kind of a, a, a copy uh, of what's going on in the U.S. Something that um, Aaron said um, when we were in the setup is that you know the, the world is all about people making decisions. That's if you boil everything down. It, you know that's I love that because that's so true and that that rung a bell with me. What's happening here is we have people at the very top. So Jair Bolsonaro is the president, and he's not making very good decisions. 
um, and he's not leading. There's no leadership coming from him. So he, he's actually led an anti-lockdown protest, believe it or not, here in the capital in Brasilia. Sorry, in the capital in Brasilia. I'm in, in Rio at the moment. So what they talk about here in, in Brazil is there's two viruses, unfortunately. One is the actual president who's supposed to be leading the com uh, country, and one is the, is, is uh, coronavirus. Um, and it's, so it's a little bit of a, a reflection of what's happening in the U.S. We have bad leadership at the apex, at the top. But thankfully, in the states where we have the, the governors and the mayors, so the governor uh, of, Rio de, of the state of Rio de Janeiro has acted really quickly. So I'm currently talking to you in my week eight of um, not quarantine, of social distancing, because I've been lucky not to get it. So eight weeks, me and my family have been um, at social distancing and staying at home. Wow. Wow, that is very that is very representative of the uh, of the US. You've literally described everything that's happening north of the border um, as well. It's uh, it's crazy, really, and sort of like I guess I guess it brings us on to sort of like how you know how this how this podcast is going to be going and how what me and Aaron want to discuss, and that is you know where we sort of find ourselves amongst COVID and things like that. Now, obviously, you are. Um, as as me and Aaron have alluded to, one of the leading voices we see on LinkedIn with advertising and agency life and brands and things like that and what they're doing. And now, now, what does what does the marketing mix sort of look like over the coming months? In your view, you know, com uh, compared to what it was before this, like, what do you, how do you see it working? I guess. Um, well, you know, I, I don't have a, a crystal ball because that would. Um... Yeah, that would be amazing. I, wish, I, I bet you a lot of people wish they did. <laughs> yeah, man, that'd be amazing, right? Mystic Meg, is she still around? Maybe. But um, yeah, she's an octopus can, now. Can say again, sorry. I think it, it went from Mystic Meg to the octopus in the World Cup that predicted the Paul the octopus, of course. Yes. Oh God, yeah. Rest in peace, Paul the octopus. <laughs> Oh, if only we had him now, could do with some help. But without yeah. a crystal ball, if I've got a gun to your head, what do you think is going to happen? Well. I think, I mean, I've already been throwing out ideas um, kind of in an entrepreneurial sense to old contacts um, where I've said, look, your brand is available to purchase online. People are at home and they can still purchase. They still at the moment have money to spend and they've got lots of time on their hands. So I've actually been sending out prospective ideas saying, look, why don't you try this? And all of those ideas up to now um, are recognizing the situation they're in, we're recognizing it, we're not pretending it's not happening, but we're, 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 do, we're coming up with ideas so that brand can exist and make sense in the current world. And luckily for you guys, all of those ideas have included influencers because they have experience at creating content in their own home. That's what they've been doing for, you know, in a, in a pre-COVID world. They're still doing it. So a lot of live streams, um, with because live streams are going off the charts. So a lot of live streams with influencers, um, and obviously you need an idea connected to that. Um, and that's what I don't see it going any, any in any direction from that at the moment. And how do you think the other channels? I mean, are you, I assume, because in the UK, for example, I mean, out of homes basically turned off, right? Because there's nobody out. So not a huge amount of point in doing that. Um, TV viewership's up but it's very difficult to make ads right now and so um people are reluctant to to go and advertise on tv even though the prices have never been lower um and the viewers yeah. have never been higher so really there's a, there's a there's a big opportunity there 
Um, you know, radio, obviously there's far less people driving and in offices. So there's lots of channels getting hit. And from a viewership point of view, it seems to be only social and TV are going up. Um, is that the same over there? Is there the same? You, you mentioned you've been in, in um, not in self-isolation, but in social distancing. So are, are people in Brazil yeah. still out on the streets to an extent or, or, or not? No. Um, what I've been really thankful for is that the people here have have listened, have ignored the president and have listened to the local government. So, no, there's not many people on streets at all and they haven't been uh, for a while. In fact, you know, we're in week eight and rather than it becoming, rather than what I expected to see, which is people getting bored and coming out more, it's actually, if I, if I look at this weekend, you know, there's absolutely no one around. So it's been adhered to really well. So in answer to your question, not as many people out on the streets. But I just want to go... I just want to pick up on a point, uh, and it's something that I think you posted about um, on LinkedIn, Aaron, that I saw. Do you remember there was an advert for the TV series Dracula, um, and it was it was a, an out-of-home poster? Mm-hmm. And do you remember how the shadow hitting that poster was pretty much the hook, the thing? It was the activation of that of that poster. And... And Aaron posted something on LinkedIn, which was, this is a social first campaign. This might be an outdoor ad, but nobody's going to stand in front of this outdoor ad for eight hours watching the shadow slowly make sense. And so people were seeing it, and obviously everybody's got their phones with them. Seeing um, the poster, seeing the effect that the, the, the shadow had, and they were posting it on social. And then it obviously got shared and went all around social. And... Um, Something that, and I thought that was really interesting, and something that Led by Donkeys have done uh, during the, the pandemic, I think they put out a poster condemning, as usual, the, um, the leadership of, of the, the current government. And people on LinkedIn were like, well, what's the point in that? I mean, what a waste of money. Um, what, why, why have they bothered with that? And of course, there's still people on their bikes, there's still people exercising, and there's still people with phones, uh, you know, first-line workers that are going past the ad, sure enough, they're taking photos of it and they're putting it on LinkedIn and it's going on social and then it becomes, and then people are aware of it. And so that's a fun thing and an interesting thing to think about. No, I think it's a really good point. I mean, that is that is definitely the way that I see out of home um, moving. Um, really, it is, it is just a social ad and... I wonder if the person, because I can't imagine any member of the public put that video up because like you said, you have yeah. to stand there for eight hours filming it. So, you know, I, I, I do hope that we see more and more brands using other channels for for social. Have you started to see that in Brazil? Um, I see so much in Brazil, particularly from Burger King. They seem to be real, real innovators over there. Um, yeah. they, they they did the, the, the billboard side of it where it's set on fire um yes they did what's what's the best thing that you've seen come out of there in the last three or four weeks from an advertising point of view actually i've not been that impressed um so it just to just so you know just so um just a bit of background on me so i live in rio um but one of the advantages by accident are of of me being able to currently thrive in the pandemic is that I moved over here and became a remote worker. So I just need my laptop and Wi-Fi. And because I'm still learning Portuguese and because I have a lot of contacts in the UK and Europe, 
all of my clients are UK, Europe based. So that's still pretty much um, that's that's still the same as now. Is that most of my client base is UK, Europe, couple in US. I only have one Brazilian client, um, but obviously I live here, so I do have uh, an awareness of what's going on. And really, I've I don't see anything that I've been impressed with. I've seen a, a bud advertisement that I'm really not impressed with, um, and and that was. The reason I think the reason for that that Budweiser advert not impressing me was that um, it uses a, a combination of English and Portuguese, and English is a second language. Um, but they didn't use somebody who had a natural ability w- with English. Um, so the ad is is advertising um, a concert that's happening. Um, Budweiser is sponsoring sponsoring it, and it's um, let the the king um, reach the kings, which is obviously very male monarchy orientated but obviously they're the king of beers but it was just the king helps the kings um it was quite clumsy so uh, it also said for the beer the beer for people that have healed um what it meant was it's it's a beer for people that are on first line healthcare workers it's the beer for we want to help out healthcare workers but it reads like this is the beer if you've survived covid um so, <laughs> And also, so yeah, so I, I haven't seen, I'm sorry to be negative because I'm really up for being very positive. And I think there needs to be lots of positive uh, news about what's going on, um, you know, to break through this current pandemic in terms of business financial news. Um, but yeah, sorry, Aaron, I don't have any positive ones for you at the moment from Brazil. That's all right. It's a shame as well, because I actually think one of the best ads I've seen in the last couple of weeks is the US Budweiser ad. Have you seen that? that them bringing... Oh, uh, amazing. Yeah, them bringing what's up back, that. Because that, that is, I mean, I, I grew up with that. That's one of the first, that and Budweiser, the frogs, Budweiser. Mm-hmm. Like those are the yeah. first sort of ads that I really started to get into that. And you know when you've been tangoed, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, maybe it's just, it's, I, I love it because it's a throwback, but... I thought it was absolutely genius bringing that back at this time. Um, really, really good message. So there's obviously a lot of um, negativity and a lot of uncertainty. You know, I'm, I've am i felt that over the past month or so, like, like lots of other people have. But I also am starting to see lots and lots of light in places. I'm starting to see people not just stop, but realize that they've got to keep going. I'm starting to see fear be replaced by boredom as the the primary emotion and that has sort of led to changes in consumer habits whether that's um you know people spending more time with their kids whether it's people eating better or not gambling whether it's the 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 planet getting better um i think there's a lot of of benefits around that but i also think there are businesses doing really well right now that are very reluctant to talk about it um businesses that are not doing so well that are very open yeah. to talk about it but it's almost if you're doing well right now like maybe you're taking advantage of people and i i don't think that's true at all you must be seeing clients that are absolutely killing it right now in a in a non um taking advantage point of way so i mean they haven't raised their prices they're just selling more for example are you seeing that yeah I am, yeah, and I actually posted. Uh, we mentioned LinkedIn earlier. Um, thanks for your kind words, lads. That's that's nice. Um, it's good to know that people are watching. Um, 
no, one of um, one of the things that I posted last night was I just yeah I think we need to break out of um, this insecurity that um, I can't really I don't really want to share that I'm doing well because it's not really that fair and we're in tough times. I get that. I mean, we we are coming out into a new world where perhaps we should rethink how we look at capitalism. Um, perhaps we should relook at uh, growth for growth's sake. Um, how many staff you got? How many offices you got? What's your what's your sales revenue? I never really understood why businesses are obsessed with the turnover number. Yeah, I turned over ten million last year. Um, how, how much profit did you make? Oh, one pound fifty. But you know, our turnover is mental. You know, so let's change that mindset. And perhaps Corona's given us a huge opportunity to do that. So I get that. You know, nature gets to take a break, but still, we need to put out. We need to, we can't let that suffocate us. We need to put out positive stories. I want to put out positive stories. As long as you're not profiteering, as long as you're not doing crass stuff like, you know, um, buy a new Fujitsu laptop and uh, we'll give you two crates of Corona lager to say thanks. Wink, wink. We just mentioned coronavirus. Aren't we funny? You know, none of that, none of that nonsense. But, you know, recognize the situation. So, for example, working with a client at the moment and the, the team were like, we, uh, we want to give free delivery. Excellent. Um, we'd already dropped the price uh, before coronavirus had happened, so we didn't react. Uh, so it was already there. But we, we, we offered uh, free delivery. But the team were like, shall we say that, you know, our spring sale continues? And I was kind of like, no, I mean, that's just, people are clever enough to realize what's going on. Just say, you know... Um, there's a lockdown. You're going to stay at home. So we, we're st- our product's still available. Here's what it does. It solves this problem. It's got free delivery, and the price is still is still at the, the low price. So just recognizing the, the situation without being crass. And uh, this particular brand is, is flying out the warehouse. It's doing better than it's ever done during the current pandemic. And I want more people to celebrate these kind of things because the markets appreciate confidence. Do you think the power of brand is more important right now or less like I, there's there's an argument either way i suppose and i, I think having a powerful brand is certainly going to put you in a good position but people will probably become more price conscious more product focused than necessarily brand in this period uh, what do you mm. think what's your take on that i'm not sure there is an answer but no i mean we could talk about it forever but um brand wise you mentioned bud earlier Obviously, it's a mega brand that you know has been there throughout a long period of history. When I saw the uh, what's that uh, revamp, I, I felt really good. It made me. It was a nice bit of nostalgia. Um, it made me want to give my mates a buzz and just tell them, you know, all right, all right, lads, you're still an idiot. Yeah, me too. Nice one. I loved it. It really, it really hit a good note. So, and that was as pretty much pure brand, right? Um, um, story-wise, um, I mean, product-wise, the, the example that I just gave you about the company that is just, um, one, one of the clients I'm working with that's just really doing extremely well, they're not a well-known brand. Um, but they, what we've done is we've put a campaign together where we show, we show the product, um, quickly and easily on a video with a video. And we're being smart with, with the ads across Facebook and, and, uh, and Instagram. 
and it's not a well-known brand, but there's the product, here's a problem, here's the price, do you want it? That's, that's working really well. And it didn't work that well before the pandemic. We were doing, you know, we were trying all sorts, scratching our heads. Uh, and people are at home and they've got laptops and they can purchase stuff and off it starts flying. So that's the product side. I think stories are still mega important. Um, for example, the, it's, not a, it's not a brand or it's a, it's a huge campaign. Tom Moore, uh, the veteran, that story of him walking up and down, yeah, him walking up and down his garden. I mean, I got, I got like tingles down my back every time I, I heard about it. It literally captured me like nothing else. I felt proud of the UK for the first time in a long time. I really did. Yeah, I think a lot of people, it's, it's, you know, it's just something to get behind, isn't it? Um, you know, you turn the news on, there's virtually nothing positive. So anything that is, people are absolutely lapping up. Mm. And it is difficult, and it's difficult. And going back to that discussion, um, the point that you're making about, you know, talking about brands that are doing well and things like that, like Aaron was talking me through prior to our, prior to us coming on here, he was telling me about a, a business that's just completely opened the doors and let the company sort of, and the, and the employees just see exactly what's going on with, you know, the, the company at the moment. How open do you, do you personally feel that businesses need to be after this crisis and even during this crisis? Like, should people, you know, like let, let's use this as an example. Should Aaron be telling me right now exactly what's, what's going on? Like how, how, how do we format this from a brand perspective of how, how do, how do, how do people and business owners actually inform their employees in the right way, I guess? Like, should people be talking about the openness and the, uh, you know, the what their business is doing, I guess? I, c I can't tell Aaron how to uh, um, tell you what information <laughs> you should give No, I wouldn't even know. fancy that, no. But, um, <laughs> Don't worry, my mind is made up. But uh, <laughs> I think just to add context to that as well, like, so the, the, the thing I saw on LinkedIn was actually someone had posted that they have put, their PL into a shared Google Doc with the entire company. So the entire company is looking at their their PL on a daily basis. Now that for me okay. seems way, way too far. Not not because I don't want people to see it, but because like, you know, it, people have to worry about their own jobs. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah. sort of that's the finance and the, the CFO's job. It's not it's not an account manager's job to worry about that. So I'm, I'm, that three months ago would have never happened. We're obviously in unprecedented circumstances. We've moved a bit. Well, I think we've always been relatively open. And like mm. we're doing now weekly conversations, but like I'm never going to go into P&L with, with the wider business because I just don't think it's it's going to benefit them. Um, I, th I think if you go into P&L with the entire business, what that will create is it will create conversations and sideshows that of energy being wasted that doesn't need to be uh wasted that could that energy could be used in other ways because you'll get people for example you know account an account executive that's straight out of university doesn't need i mean i don't understand how that could help them all it would do would worry them and give them lots more questions to ask and take them off the task of being an account executive um, and then you've got, let's say, Aaron, who's, let's say, if you, uh, in this example, um, displayed the P&L for the whole company like the other example, you would be swamped with questions. You would spend your entire day answering questions about the P&L. Um, 
I think um, in the past, when I was co-founder of an agency for nine years, I set up, um, we we started off and we didn't, I mean, this is all obviously um, pre-COVID world. So weird now to say that, isn't it? This is pre-COVID world. Um, so pre-COVID world, it was, you know, we kept it, the co-founders knew the numbers and we, and that's how it went. And then we started to kind of loosen up and basically we would, in our weekly meetings, we would give a top line number, but then our senior staff, as Aaron mentioned there, you know, like if, uh, the, the chief finance officer or, you know, the head of accounts or um, we would have uh, a key team, uh, senior team, and, and, you know, we would give them, they would, they would be open uh, to the numbers. But even then, you, you know, how far down do you want to drill the numbers? If you start drilling right down uh, into, you know, every nook and cranny, again, it becomes counterproductive because people spend too long asking questions about stuff. And you just need numbers that count and then a plan to get those numbers to somewhere where you want them to be. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I agree in a sense. Uh, uh, and, you know, we touched on uh, in the openness of how we've been. And, you know, it, I think it's been really useful. But I think that the main thing, of course, like even for the, um, you know, we mentioned the account exec that you'd find straight out of uni. I think that it's the, you know, it's the work-life balance and how, that works that's what sort of worked in i guess to the the day and getting used to that now you touched on that you know you you, you yourself just need a, a laptop and a good internet and uh, you're pretty much away on the day-to-day anyway but what would you say is the change i guess to the work-life balance now what is the what is the what does the workplace look for look look like for these people at home and uh, like how do people sort of i guess sort of naturally develop into that this is the office now, I guess. I Again, I've been lucky uh, and fortunate in that I've kind of been living this remote life where uh, the family and work life is kind of blurred. When I moved to Brazil, you know, I was writing content whilst um, pouring coffee and making my daughter's porridge in the morning. I was literally making porridge whilst writing and editing content to bring the porridge to the table and you know it was it was and it's still like that um it, you know and it was it was too full on and we didn't have um the grandparents weren't available to start with so my wife and I were working round the clock whilst parenting and it was all blurred and that doesn't do much good to your mental health in the end you can't do that for too long you start to burn out send grandparents come in and you start having structure in your life at the moment then, so what's happened is we've actually been had our lives, you know, the reset button has been pressed on our lives, myself and my wife, in that you know, we're now back where, where we were when we first got to Brazil, where we, we don't have help from our grandparents because they're in lockdown, they're quarantined. Um, and so we're having to navigate this life where, if I'm honest, it's tough because the, the, the work and the parenting and the cooking and the exercising is all blurred together. Um, so it's about finding uh, finding structure in working at home. You know, some people talk about getting dressed properly and sitting at your laptop, having your laptop in a separate room, having a curfew time where the laptop and the phone are just, you know, off and they're done. I've got to tell you, I find that difficult, even though I need to do it. So it's about discipline. And in the future, um, 
I think perhaps it might be something along the lines of what's about to happen in Denmark, where they're going to trial, uh, where they're going to trial a reduction in the lockdown, where you choose ten people. This is going to be mad. You choose ten people, and you can you can go and meet them. You can go and have beers with them. You can go and hang out with them. You can go and play Twister with them. You can do whatever you want with them. But it's only those ten people. That's you imagine it. if you're number eleven on all of your friends. You know what I mean? I know, right? <laughs> you don't want to be that guy or that 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 girl who's just oh, sorry, you're not in my list. Oh, you're in mine. Yeah, man, that would be tough. <laughs> Perhaps you wouldn't be Billy No Mates anymore. Perhaps the new Billy No Mates term is number eleven. Oh, look at number eleven over there. But oh, everybody's man. lists are oh, going to have to match up, right? Like, let's say that I make my brother one of my 10, but he doesn't want me to be one of his. Then what? <laughs> you know what uh, I mean? You're going to have to yeah, have an, It's going to be tough. really difficult to actually match up. It is. Because actually, it will work in Denmark because people just choose their family and hopefully their family will choose them and vice versa. But if it comes to actually having a group of people that you go and meet and bounce ideas and work off, it's your... Hmm. No, actually, though, we've teased it out there, perhaps, Aaron, because... You know, you're um, you're one of the leaders of a successful business in the Go Agency. I would imagine, you know, if we have a future that, where you are allowed to go out and meet people, you're going to choose people to do with Go Agency, and they're going to do the same. Um, so perhaps that's how it might work. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I I don't know if we. I certainly want that to be the case, but. It's a weird it's a weird one. We've we've really accepted this. I think a lot more than most people have. Like four or five weeks ago, I made the decision that this is gonna last for a year. Whether I'm right or wrong, and and me, Harry and Nick had that conversation and we just agreed that we're only gonna plan for this being at least that amount of time and anything less than that is a benefit, but we're not going to be disappointed if in four months' time we're still in lockdown or in eight months' time we're still in lockdown. So we're not in any way, shape or form waiting for this to end. We're just making ourselves even more suitable than we think we already were for the current situation that we're in. And then when the world changes again, we'll change accordingly. But so it's we're not we're not really waiting. We're sort of just assuming it's going to to go on for, for for ages so we're letting go of our offices for example um our, our london office the main office um which is you know a, a, a lot of money and, and big space and everything else in london that's actually um our lease ends at the end of may anyway and we're not going to take another office straight away so there is a a, a scenario where we won't have an office for a significant period of time and then even if for example this lasts for a year let's go ahead a year and say okay we're finally coming out of this as a vaccine whatever there is then i don't think we'll ever go back to the sort of office setup that we had previously i think that we will we will go to like a venue sort of system i could see us having half the office space that we've had traditionally have them more as like meeting venues and meeting spaces I can't see us having banks and banks of desks where people sit there every day. I can see it being flexible workspaces and you come in if you've got a meeting or you've got a brainstorming session or something like that, but you don't, you don't need to just go in for the sake of it. Um, so we're really looking at how the workplace is going to evolve, how it's changing. We've sort of, 
I think that's the best decision that we've made in the last five years was four or five weeks ago, deciding that this is going to be a long period of time. And the number of people that I spoke to four or five weeks ago that said, oh, no, I'm, listen, we'll be out of this in four weeks time and it'll be OK. Now, those people are screwed because they thought it'll be over and it isn't and they have no plan B. Um, so it's interesting because we're actually not necessarily just going to shove people you know, straight into it. I think we will be quite slow to go back to face-to-face communication. I think our clients will be quite slow to go back to it too. Um, but it'll be, a, it, it'll be an interesting one um, as to how that does come back. Do you, you're obviously a believer in virtual working anyway. Do you think that this is going <clears> to <throat> going to have a I mean it's going to have a pretty damning effect on the commercial real estate industry do you do you think virtually all companies are going to reduce the amount of office space they've got and go more virtual or do you think maybe people are going to come out of this and think I never want to see my wife and children again I'm going to the office <laughs> um yeah I mean it depends on the culture overall I think um if I owned a business that had bricks and mortar and had desks and had business rates and rents what why on earth would I, and I can see that my business still works remotely. I can still talk to clients all over the world. I can still deliver decks. I can still activate campaigns. Um, why would I go back to that? Um, and actually, there was a moment when I was in London. I was um, at my old agency, as I mentioned before, as one of the co-founders back in London. There's a social media uh, marketing agency. And I found myself walking across London Bridge and just you know, I lived eight miles as the crow flies from the office. And I was walking across London Bridge, and it's like, this is a lot of effort to get to the office. Now, this is a big slog, and I only live eight miles away. I mean, it was quicker for me to run into work than it was to get transport. Then I get to work, and for whatever reason, because I was pulled left, right, and center, my problem, the culture's problem, whatever, I didn't get much work done. So I find myself working from home. And I would get infinite amount of more work done. You know, so it dawned on me, like, what is the point of it? Also, just think about the fossil fuels that are being burnt in order to get to that bricks and mortar office, in order for you to get to sit at your desk. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm already a big believer in remote working, and it works. And I've been doing it before uh, the pandemic hit. Why, if you're a business owner, would you go back to full tilt bricks and mortar offices if, if it worked before? Because it's, it's going to help your bottom line. Um, the only counter thing I'll say is my brother um, works in Frankfurt at the European Central Bank. And he's, he's kind of like, this is amazing, working from home, we don't have to go into the office. I, like, wow, I can't believe, why did I never do this before? But a lot of his colleagues, as you mentioned now, and jokingly though, but a lot of his colleagues are like, I can't wait to get out of my house and get back to the office. Like they want to get away from their wives and partners and get back to the banter of the office, which I understand. Exactly. I, I'd, I'd say that's that's exactly where I stand as well. Like it's been great. It's been great working from home and I've enjoyed it. But never, never, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, Aaron, never did I think I'd be like, my word, I can't wait to get behind that desk in that office right now. Because it's just that go-between. It's just the, you know, my desk and my computer and everything is set up at the end of at the end of my bed, pretty much. You know, everything's here. So it's like everything's in one room. Here you go. And it's just so difficult that that switch off that we talked about. So I do understand the people that are that are that are struggling. And it's the one thing that I, I sort of do align myself with. Um and I think that the only thing we've sort of 
had to sort of, you know, tie it all together and sort of keep us sane, I guess, in a, in, in more ways, is sort of social media, um, which, of course, very much your sort of um, forte, um, Matt, sort of talking through that. And then, you know, we've obviously seen unprecedented rise in sort of screen time and what social media is doing, which is exactly what it says on the tin, making us actually have an avenue to be social on. Um, now, as I say, this is very much a different sort of podcast as I'd normally find myself on being the class clown of the office. But the, I, I actually went out of my way and read an article on Forbes um, and it was titled COVID-19 social media's levelling up moment. Um, and some columnists there sort of noted that we've always hoped that digital tools would create connections, not conflict. And we sort of have the chance now to make that happen. My question to both of you, I guess, from, you know, from my level is, are we now entering sort of a golden age of social media where we're going to see the true meaning of the social aspect? Like we're already seeing it with brands and what, you know, from our side, influencers are doing as well. Are we going to start seeing, uh, you know, the real social media, you know? I think we're going to see, I'm hoping that we'll see, I think there's been a bit of an agenda against social Mm. media and influencers for the past few years, particularly from, you know, people like Vice Media, which is absolute garbage, um, and a few other things of that. They just make stuff up, don't they? Um, Clickbait. Mm. And, you know, the number of articles I get tagged in by people and it's the death of influencer marketing. And I just think, like, what in God's name is this? Um, And I I kind of get it because what people have known influencer marketing as is a someone from, like, The Only Way is Essex or, um, you know, someone like that selling, like, a fake tanning product. Like, that's what most people, I think, think influencer marketing is. And it's... It's not what we've ever thought it is. We've always said this is about using people that have, you know, niche communities um, to talk to these niche audiences. And actually, really, influencers just talk about a really specific topic a lot. And therefore, they build a community around them that wants to listen to that, whether that's gardening or whether it's gaming or whether it's Mm. talking about women's health stuff or whether it's talking about, um, I don't know, lgbtq rights or whether it's you know even much more specific in that within the lgbtq community you can break down into each one of those communities and then sub communities again and again and again so for for me you know influencer marketing has always really been finding the gatekeepers in society of these communities and then in showing them the benefits of them talking about you to your audience that's what it is it's it's not an aggressive sales thing. It's not an aggressive anything because you're just advertising into communities who already want to hear that anyway. Um, I think with what Joe Wicks is doing and things like that, like you, you can start to see the positives around social. When everyone is stuck at home, the, the mental health aspect of being disconnected from each other is enormous. And so... Mm. You know, people could argue, oh, social's been bad for mental health over the last few years and stuff like that. I don't think anyone could argue that it isn't really good for mental health right now. And, and yeah. hopefully that stays in people's minds when we come out of this and they look at it for what it actually is rather than what they think it is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've had a lot of instances where we've had, you know, Facebook chats, Zoom chats, you know, 
FaceTiming and WhatsApping and just video conferencing with people that after the call, you're just like, how come we never did this before? Why has it taken this for us to kind of connect in this way? Um, so there's, it, it's enabled me personally. I think this, it can, you can tell by the fact that you know the owner of Zoom had over $2 billion put onto his personal net wealth after like first two weeks of, uh, of the pandemic. You can tell that people are using Zoom more. Um, but I've had a lot of personal positive connections with people as well off the back of social media with music. So, you know, there's, everyone's a DJ, it seems, at the moment now on, uh, on Facebook Live and on Twitch. Um, and it's brilliant. But also I've seen some old DJs I haven't seen for 20 years. Um, an example was, um, this is going to make me old, Lisa Lashes, who um, was oh, like part of the house DJ uh, bonanza of the, of the mid to late 90s. She started putting out her live sets and loads of people that I kind of were in the background of my life have come forward and gone, Matt, check it out. Do you remember this? And it's been really good for morale. It's been really good to kind of, again, reminisce, connect. Um, and, and so personally, I, I've, I've found that social media has really helped me in a positive way mentally. I completely agree. And do you, do you think that brands are going to become a lot more aware of what they say on their socials? Because you do get some, you know, it, is, it amazes me sometimes when I go in, obviously at an, a, an account manager level and sort of go in and speak to clients and they talk me through what their social strategy is and what they're, what they're planning, you know, in line with their other marketing. Do you think that brands are going to become a lot more aware of what they're putting out and what their, you know, and what their message is on these platforms as well, Matt? Um, that comes down to the brand teams, isn't it? And it comes down to the people that are looking after those brands. And, you know, if they can come out of this and have a little bit of confidence about thinking about the world and the situation they're in, thinking about putting themselves in their audience's shoes and battling against the need to put every single key message into, you know, every single brand key message in, into the communications because that's what, you know, the CMO wants. So, it will come down to the confidence of those brand teams, really. And what what, what do you think that brands should be uh, looking to do on social media, I guess, like within this time and, and also after even, if you've got any sort of insight on that? During this time, I think they need to stay present and be relevant and be, um, you know, not ignore the situation, not use crass techniques to profit off the situation. Um think about new ways that they perhaps hadn't thought of before you know this i always come i don't always i frequently come across senior members of c-suite of of brands who still don't really know a great deal about social certainly have a kind of view of influences which has probably been informed by reading you know the daily express or something like that um so yeah their, their level of of knowledge about social and influences at the very top of the stakeholders of brands is, was, is still quite low. Those guys need to catch up. They'll have to catch up. They need to catch up. This is a massive, you know, slap to the face. It's not like, oh, yeah, we'll get digital. Yeah, you know, make a TV ad and just, can you just make sure you just edit it and put it out on Facebook. Can't do that anymore because your brand will cease to exist. So um, it depends on, on, on your product. I mean, some products are lucky. Um, because there is an element of look to the situation as well. So, for example, a quick example: bread makers. They are set. They're like their their sales are up six hundred and fifty percent. So, if you, coffee machines, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, these guys are lucky. Golf club makers, not so lucky. So there are some brands due to the product of the situation that need to capitalize on that. And there are some which are just in a bad situation. Let's not, uh, let's not ignore that fact. But yeah, bread makers, wow, who'd have thought it? They are the second fastest growing category in all of um, business to consumer categories at the moment. 652% increase. Unbelievable. Unbelievable as we all just start to potter around our homes and wonder what we're exactly going to be doing. But there we go. Um, Matt, I'm conscious of time, um, but thank you so much for joining us uh, today to discuss this. It's been really insightful and um, I've really, really enjoyed having you. Thanks a lot. I've really enjoyed it. You guys are legends. I love what the Go Agency is doing. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Keep going, guys. Sam, Aaron, you know, hats off to you. Thank you so much for having me. Give us, give us a shout. Give us a shout, Matt, of where people can find out more about yourself. Uh, you can go to, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Matt uh, W Webster, or you can check out uh, my Twitter, Matt W Webster, or if you want to check out my website, don't. But okay, that's um, mw-w.co. Fantastic. Great. Thanks a lot for joining us, Matt. And we do appreciate uh, you joining us from uh, Rio as well. So thank you very much. Um, Aaron, our first episode recorded, done, um, insightful. um, And uh, yeah, looking forward to building this out as a full series, I feel, sir. Yeah, it was absolutely a a pleasure to talk to Matt. Let's hope all of our guests are in as exotic a location as that. I know. I know. We've got to try and keep it, you know, uh, worldwide now. It's great. Um, so for myself and Aaron, thanks for joining us on the 30,000 foot view. Do subscribe to our other podcasts under the marketing agency. And remember, stay safe, stay indoors and listen to our podcasts, of course. 